everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chandelier Chats with Rochelle. I am your host, Rochelle, and today we have a super wonderful guest. His name is Frankie. He is uh, the owner of Frankie Fitness, and he is transitioning to an online business. And today we're going to be talking about what it's like to go from in-person, one-on-one coaching and training to online. So please join me in welcoming Frankie. Welcome to the show. (laughs) How are you? Good, good. You? Good, good. Thank you so much for being here. It is my pleasure to have you here, and I'm so excited to hear your story. So if you could start by telling our listeners and our viewers a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me. Um, I love doing this uh, little podcast interviews with with, with new people that I that I met in the in our journey, I guess, together. Um, so yeah, a little bit about myself. I'm originally from South America. So I was born and raised in Venezuela in South America. And uh, at the age of 18, I moved to Canada. That was in 2000. And, it's been a while now, 2007. <laughs> 2007, I moved here, you know, starting a new life. And at the beginning, I was actually not into the, the wellness, uh, the fitness industry. I was, actually, um, uh, I was actually going to school to become a mechanical engineer. Wow. So that was kind of like the family the family business, right? So everyone, my, my, my dad is an engineer, my older brother's an engineer. So I kind of have to like, I kind of like cave into the family pressure of, of, of going into uh, mechanical engineering. And I was actually on, and this was 2010, I was actually getting a little bit, I was, I was obese at that time, I was overweight. And I decided to actually invest in my health. So I got a personal trainer myself. myself. And, and it was such a good experience that it made me completely change my career path, right? So I finally found, I kind of like, I had like an internal struggle with, you know, like, like, like pursuing my passion and kind of like not letting my family down at the same time. So it was kind of hard for me to actually find, like finally say, okay, enough, this is not going to be my future. I don't want to be, I don't want to be an engineer. And believe it or not, I was on my third year of mechanical engineering when I decided that, you know what, I was not going to do it anymore. I was going to pursue my passion, which was helping others achieve the same thing that I achieved myself, which was like improving my health, you know, losing weight, not necessarily losing weight. Most of my clients, yeah, that, that is their main goal. But I also, I also work with clients, you know, trying to get stronger, gain muscle, just uh, overall being healthier, right? And that's what I've been doing for the past, you know, 12 years. Uh, I was working on 100% personal training, like in person. And since COVID started, started over a year ago, I've been transitioning more into towards online, online coaching. Wow. And how are you enjoying the transition? Can you talk a little bit about that experience? You know what, I'm not gonna lie, it was, uh, it was a little bit scary at the beginning. Uh, this is something that I feel like it, it's, it's been in my mind for like, at least, I'm gonna say five years, where I have been focusing on I wanting to travel more. But because of my job, it's been it, it's really difficult, because I've been you know, working like uh, 45 to 50 hours a week with clients and not being able to get a lot of a lot of vacation time. Uh, so this was something that I wanted to do like over five years ago. But I always found kind of like, you know how it is, you kind of like find an excuse of not uh, because you're a little bit scared. You always find an excuse of why you don't like it's not the right time. It's not the right time. And then eventually what happened was like COVID to me, it was it was kind of like a, like like a blessing in disguise because it forced me to actually have to find another way of coaching my clients, right? And it gave me that little push that I needed to start my online business. Yeah. 
Wow. I love that. <clears throat> I think it's really important to also acknowledge that there is a big shift that happens when you're taking your business from just one-on-one face-to-face in mm-hmm. interacting, it sort of can feel sometimes like you lose that personal element. So how do you maintain that personal element with your clients being in a virtual world versus in person? It is, it is a little bit hard because like even with technology nowadays, you know, I have, so I am training a lot of people doing virtual sessions, right? Or I do weekly check-ins, but we're doing, we're using Zoom to just make sure that, that we're not losing that, that connection. But at the same time, it's obviously it's not a hunt. It's not the same as seeing them in person, but we make it work. We make, we make it work. And I feel like it is something that, again, thanks to COVID, we're actually, we're being a little bit more open-minded about trying to find other ways to stay connected with people. If we cannot do it physically, it's actually a good thing that we can actually do it you know, either Zoom or like FaceTime or some any any kind of virtual uh, any virtual uh, option that we have, and that is something that I actually do as part of my programs with my clients. I always give them the option to actually work on a weekly Zoom check-in or with the virtual sessions. If they're actually doing workouts with me, we actually stay connected with uh, through the virtual sessions. But I do have some clients that we transition completely from being in person to like 100% not having that, not even the virtual sessions because some of them are actually because. It depends on their budget as well. Like my programs are not really, they're not specific. Like we don't, I don't have a set uh, program for, for, for all my clients. It depends on what the client wants, right? And a lot of them, because of their budget, they might not be able to actually afford, you know, like doing the added, like check-ins, like virtual sessions, that kind of stuff. But we still make it work. And then I do notice that if we're losing that touch, if we're losing, if we have, if, 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 if we see that the distancing happening, then I make sure that I actually like either like talk to him, like, like give him a phone call or like set up a Zoom meeting like once a month or something for free, something that we can actually do to keep that connection going. I think that's amazing. And with that being said, with the connection maintaining, how do you help a client maintain their connection with their goal? Yeah. So one of the things that I work with in specific is, and I do it at the beginning of every single program with my clients, specifically with the Precision Nutrition Program, which is one of the features that I offer. The first initial two weeks of their programs is actually mindset work. That's Mm -hmm. all we focus on, mindset work, because it is important for them to make sure, because a lot of the time, like most of my clients, most of potential new clients come to me with a lot of physical goals, right? So they want to lose weight, they want to look they want to look good they want to gain muscle but then they don't talk a lot about and i'm not saying this is like all the time but it's most of the time i see they don't they they don't talk about you know i want to improve my mental health or i want to see i want to improve my relationship with food i want to make sure that you know like i have the i have the 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 knowledge to make a critical thinking uh or, or make a make a decision when it comes to like like something on the spot when it comes to nutrition right or like or like anything related to their health so that kind of stuff, if they don't talk to me at the beginning, I make sure that those initial two weeks where we're working on mindset work, it's kind of like we're trying to make a kind of like attach those physical goals to mental goals, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. You go from there because in the future, it's always a good idea. Like I keep record of, of, of those of those lessons where we focus on mindset work and, and I kind of like remind them of their whys. Okay. Finding their whys. Why, why is this important to you? And, and how is this going to improve your, your overall lifestyle? And how is this going to impact the, your relationship with people, with the relationship with your family, that kind of stuff. So it's always, it's always important to keep reminding them of their why. 
Can you expand a little bit more on the importance of the why? What is the why? Why is the why important? So there is, um, I'm actually glad that you, you mentioned that because <laughs> I, I was working on, um, there is one specific exercise that I work with my clients that is called the five whys. Okay, so the five whys is actually, it is an, it is an exercise that, that I believe the first company that actually started doing it was Toyota, like the car company. So they started using it as, as a way to actually try to find out more in the specifics of, of, of like what the people want, right? And then the way it works is you always start with one specific, it's, it's very simple, but it's such a powerful activity, such a powerful tool because you start asking, for example, let's just do it with you, okay? Okay, let's do it. So let's say, let's talk about your goals, right? your health goals, right? Do you, do you work out? Yes, I do. Okay, so why, why do you work out? Because I like to be freakishly strong. <laughs> Why do you like being freakish, freakishly strong? <laughs> I like being freakishly strong because it surprises people because I'm very feminine and I'm very girly. So when they meet me and they realize that I can deadlift twice my weight, they're like, what? <laughs> I like the surprise factor. And why do you like surprising people with your strength? Hmm. Why do I like surprising people with my strength? That's a good question. Because I feel that, especially with the way things are going right now, that, you know, there's a lot of weakness in society. And a lot of people think that just because you're a certain way or you're a certain gender, like male or female, or you look a certain way that you could not be capable of that. So having that element of surprise and strength sort of bundled together is just sort of like a punch for me. Okay. And why do you like giving that punch to those people? Because it's memorable because it's memorable. So do you see how we actually start with one why? It's like, you like being strong and we actually continue elaborating on a lot of things and, and it kind of helps you discover or rediscover what your, the reasons why you like working out, right? And mm -hmm. this is like your, your, your specific example is one, but like I can give you one that happens very often with a lot of people. It's like when they want to lose weight, right? Mm -hmm. So ask, why do you want to lose weight? It's like, oh, because I want to look good, okay? And why is looking good important to you? And they say, well, like, I'm just like, you know, like, I feel like a lot of the time I want to play with my kids and, and, and I feel like the performance is not there. I feel super tired. And then I was like, okay, so why is that important to you? And they keep moving on and moving on to something that is more meaningful to them. So usually when you start with the first why and the fifth why, that fifth, fourth and fifth why actually give you a lot of insight. It give you a lot of information about the real reason why this person wants to, for example, lose weight. Right. Mm -hmm. So losing weight is like scratching the surface. That is just like your physical, your physical goal. But I, I like seeing that the, the why, why is that important to you? And most of the time it comes down to like, you know, it's family related, relationship related. It could be, you know, like, I just want to be able to be independent when I get older, when I grow older. Right. Cause that is one of the things in my opinion, for like, for example, my opinion, I do believe that losing strength is the biggest indicator of aging in human beings. Right. So mm -hmm. as soon as you start losing that strength, that is when in, in, in when you're when you're 70, 75, 80 years old, that is when you start relying on other people to do like simple things like, you know, getting in the shower, getting in the car, you know, walking, that kind of stuff. And that is one of the reasons, like in, in, in my specific example, that is my number one, the number one reason why I work out, why I do strength training is because I want to be self-sufficient until the very last day that I'm here. Oh, I love that. That's way more, that has way more depth than my little goal. 
<laughs> my wife. That's, but that's something that you can work on, right? And then, and yeah. then I do find that uh, like that specific goal that you have, when you have goals are more than just physical goals, those are the things like I have from, from past experience with a lot of clients that were working out just because they wanted to look good. Mm-hmm. That goal in specific is not going to last. That mm-hmm. goal eventually is going to grow. You're going to grow tired of that. And then eventually you're just not going to want to work out anymore. But as opposed to doing that, what you're going to do is like what you're doing, what I'm doing, right? So we're trying to come up with a goal that is like a long-term goal. Like you want to be stronger because you like surprising people. And that is something that you can do always, right? Until Mm -hmm. the very end. And then looking good is not necessarily something that you're going to, I mean, you can look good, but eventually like age is going to catch up to you, right? And Mm -hmm. then, you know, eventually we, we all get older. And then if that is your main goal to look good, that is not going to last uh, and then you're just going to stop working out in the future. Yeah. Cause it's a very superficial goal, very yeah, superficial, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. And I would love to touch on this because I feel like there is so much superficial behavior that goes on in the fitness world. So many people attach their entire identity to how they physically look, you yeah. know, how, how well their abs show in certain lights and, and, you know, are they vascular? Are they not vascular? all of those things. So can you talk a little bit more about the aesthetics of it and how, how that can actually play games with you mentally? Yeah. So, so here's the thing that from my own experience, I can tell you, okay. And, and, and of course with uh, training clients as well. Um, I find that a lot of people, especially the younger population, they get into the, 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 the fitness and into working out because of that, mainly because they just like looking good. They want to look vascular. They want to have the sits back. They, all those very superficial goals, right? And, and, and that is something that there's nothing wrong with starting with that if that is what gets you, gets you the push to actually start working on your health. But you need to realize that at one point of your life, you need to start transitioning from shifting that, that, that mindset, right? So you, you got to stop worrying as much about how you look and start worrying more about how you feel, how you perform, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, right? So yeah, that, that is... Um, that is a big issue in our in our industry because I do find, for example, um, with a lot of people uh, in social media, right, where they they're looking amazing physically, they look amazing. They're like, oh, you know, like work out with me, and you can look like this and all that. But then I have met a lot of like fitness uh, influencers that they look amazing in 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 their in their social media. But when you took when you talk to them, you actually notice there's a lot of uh, insecurities. There's a lot of like mental health problems. There's a lot of like, like self-image issues, that kind of stuff, right? So when you look at the person from really far and just like you can see physically, you're like, oh my God, this person's so healthy, right? Mm-hmm. But as soon as you get to know the person, you realize it's like you're so obsessed, obsessed with how you look. You're so obsessed with like you can't even you can't even enjoy a nice meal that is considered not healthy because it's gonna, in your opinion, it's gonna ruin your whole pro- progress. Or you're not, you're going to say no to like social activities because you don't have the willpower to actually stop you from like drinking or eating something that you shouldn't or that kind of stuff, right? That is another thing that I work on with my clients is like, yeah, like if your goal is to actually be look good, we need to make sure that you're finding balance and you're finding something that is sustainable. The key is sustainable, right? Because if you're working on, on always looking good and you're going to say no to like all, carbs. The amazing, yeah, all the amazing things in life, right? Like carbs mm-hmm. or like, you know, socializing with friends, like, you know, having a birthday and eating some cake or like, you know, going to the movies, having some popcorn, that kind of stuff that you're going to stop doing because you think it's going to ruin your progress. 
then you have an issue that there's something that you need to address or something that you need to work on to help you find that balance and help you find something that is going to be sustainable long-term, something you can do forever. And you're not going to feel like very unsatisfied with, with your life pretty much. Oh my gosh. Okay. I actually have a personal share about this because I entered into fitness competitions 2011 and I, I started my training for my first fitness competition and I was obsessed with the scale at this point. I didn't understand weight loss, fat loss, muscle gain. I didn't understand that my coach did not teach me any of that. So I was like, here I am looking at the scale and I had dropped, you know, 15 pounds or something. And I was like, okay, that's great. And then my weight stayed the same for two or three weeks. And I was like, am I doing something wrong? Like what is going on? And she never explained to me that I was building muscle. She just told me to keep going, ignore the scale. It was one tool. You know, I would go and see her for measurements. My inches, like the inches of my body were changing. My day, my dimensions were changing. And then fast forward and into the later part of the year. So I did my first competition and I got dead last. I was not in the right category (laughs) at all. And I was like, well, screw this. Like I'm going to try again. So I tried again and I went into the correct category. I was in bikini and I definitely should have been in figure. So I went into figure and I placed uh, fifth out of 17. Which which was amazing considering I'd only been training for a year and I, I kicked ass and I slayed. And then I started to realize that I I had become a little bit obsessed with food. And I was like, okay, whatever. And she had told me, oh, well, for your cheat meal, what I do is I give myself one hour to eat as much of whatever I want in that one hour. And I was like, an hour, that's a long time to eat. I would eat myself into a coma. Like I would completely pass out. And like, that was not okay. And then that carried forward. I became obsessed with how I looked and I became obsessed with the scale and with measuring and weighing my food. Mm. Then I decided in 20, I think it was 2013 or 2014, I was going to compete again. And so I did novice provincials and nationals in Alberta all in a month's time. And I, I like whittled myself down to like 126 pounds of lean mass. Like I, w- I was, I think only 8% body fat, like, and natty too. Oh. <laughs> like it was, it was intense. It was intense. <laughs> and, and I was natty too, which was like a really big mistake, mistake, if you will. And after that, like my coach just sort of dropped me and told me, oh, just go back to how you were eating two weeks prior. And I'm like, what? I have to go back to eating chicken and green beans? every day for how long do I do this? And I I just like my body just exploded. I, I launched up to, I think it was 192 pounds was the highest. I saw the scale. I had edema. I was having allergies to everything. And, and I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable, but I was so fixated on the fact that that's how I used to look that I used that contest image as my goalpost, I was not realistic about it. So can you talk a little bit about the real reality of that? Yeah, and, and it's interesting that you touch on that because you are not the exception of the rule. You are actually the norm mm-hmm. in, 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 in the, like with people that compete. So, and going back to that whole idea of like looking at someone that you don't know, you see them competing, you see them like on stage and you're like, oh my goodness, this person's so fit. Like this, he or she must be really, really healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest, like, misconception. Yeah, people think that because they look the way they look, they're very healthy, when it is most of the times actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. They are not very healthy people because, like you mentioned, like your perfect example, right? So you became obsessed with what you were eating. 
but also like it's not just like the fact that you were becoming very obsessed with what you were eating but what you were doing to get you to that physical state was very very extreme very drastic and mm -hmm. not and something that is not sustainable right so at that right. point when you compete you need to keep in mind and that is something that it's i always recommend people when they compete to actually stay in touch with a therapist stay in touch with us with some kind of like like someone that can help in psychologically because it is really hard on your mental health when you look at yourself looking that way right which is like amazing in, in really good shape but it's something that you need to keep reminding yourself that is not sustainable mm -hmm. eventually you need to get out of that uh of that body fat percentage has to go up you know you need to gain some weight you cannot be that dry all the time and then that's what happens for a lot of people it's like on your case the strategy that your that your coach used after the competition was not the greatest you need to make sure that you know a lot of people do i don't know if you ever heard of reverse dieting for example mm -hmm. right when you start mm -hmm. slowly picking up your your calories that is one thing that is actually i recommend people to do as opposed to just going into like either eating the same way that you were eating two weeks before like in your case or in other cases people just don't care and they just start eating so much and because you've been restricting yourself for so many weeks it kind of like catch up it catches up to you so you just mm -hmm. want to start eating absolutely everything right and mm -hmm. then i've seen people i've seen people gain over 30 pounds in a matter of a, of a month just mm -hmm. one month right yeah just because, that that me. Because, <laughs> because you don't yeah you don't realize that um you know like all that physical like that stress that you're putting into your body by by depleting it so much and not having the right strategy to help you kind of like slowly get back into something that is more that it is sustainable right mm -hmm. Yeah, so I believe that there's a big recovery process. And from my own experience, it took me until uh, probably two years ago. Mm -hmm. So my last competition was in 2014. And it took me five years to get it right. And yeah. to like, to, and I still there's still times where I notice, you know, I'll like get out of the shower. And I'm like, oh, just like love yourself love yourself love yourself love yourself love yourself and it's hard it's so hard sometimes because when you were fixated for that long it also becomes that also becomes an addiction which is again another yeah. that's another reason to have full support not just physical support but also mental and emotional support can you speak to a little bit of the importance of maintaining your mental and emotional health during the entire fitness journey so one of my one of the premises one of my one of my promises to my clients when they first start working with me is I promise them that I will never ever sacrifice their mental health to improve their physical health. Mm -hmm. I actually do the opposite. I'm actually always making sure that we can find some way to actually to actually help improve the mental health at the same time that we improve the, the physical health. And that can look different depending on the person, right? So I have some people where like. I actually, obviously, I don't, I don't, I don't tell them do it 100%. I just recommend people to start doing it. But it's like things that you can do, for example, it's like very simple things. Like, like, personally, I like meditating. Meditating mm -hmm. has helped me a lot to be a little bit more compassionate with not just with myself, but with other people. It's helped me uh, understand more like about like everything that is happening inside of me. And it helps me kind of like, kind of kind of like understand and, and kind of like reflect on everything that is happening. And, and, and that's one of the, one of the reasons why I ask people to actually meditate. It's important. It really helps with, you know, if you're having any issues like, like that, if you have like, if you're, if you're struggling with your physical, with, with, with how you look, okay. 
you can keep reminding yourself that that is not the only thing that matters, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I deal with a lot of my clients. Like beside meditating, I ask them to, you know, like if it's like, like start reading something that is like a self-help book or or we start reflecting or we start work, working on journaling, something to help them actually be more connected with, with, with yourself, right? And that way. But I also like reminding people, for example, like I do, we, we obviously, we do, uh, especially with clients that I have working on losing weight, we always have uh, bi-weekly check-ins, right? I call it the share your progress activity, which is something that we do every single, every two weeks where we're taking body, uh, we take measurements, we check your bot, their body weight. But I always remind them that that is just simply data, right? It's just numbers that we're going to use to see what is happening to their body. But I always ask them to actually try to find another indicator of improvement that is not a number. And mm-hmm. that could be, that could be things, for example, how is your, how is your energy, energy levels throughout the day? How is the quality of your sleep? How is your mood? How is the relationship with your food? How is, um, you know, how's the relationship with other people? How do you find, are you actually finding that, uh, are you managing your stress a little bit better, right? Those are the little indicators of improvement that remind my clients that the weight, that number is not the only thing that matters. There are a lot of things within the body that really matters. And then if I'm working with a, a training plan, for example, as well, I'm really huge into tracking absolutely everything when you're working out. That is how you actually know that you're improving. That's called progressive overloading. So if you can actually track your like your 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 strength and how you are actually improving in terms of your strength, that is something that is also important because it could be like, okay, I'm gaining weight, but I don't care as much because hey, I'm getting stronger. And 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 you know, I feel like my cardiovascular conditions are getting better. I feel like my performance is getting better. I feel like actually my relationship with, with food is improving. And then, and then the same thing, it's like my energy levels are actually better, my mood is better, all that, right? So I always remind them that, that the number on the scale is not, is not everything, okay? And that is one way that we can actually work on improving that mental health at the same time that we're working on improving the physical health. Awareness is the key to everything. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what I always tell my clients, it's like uh, awareness is the first step to whatever they need yeah. to work on. If they want to work on their on losing weight, if they want to work on their mental health, it doesn't matter what it is. Or if they know they have a problem and they tell me, it's like, I have a problem with when I start eating, I cannot stop eating. It's like, okay, you're aware of that. You know that that happens. So now we're going to take steps of, we're going to find out the reason why that happens and we're going to address it. But always being aware is like, it's huge. It's huge. And I'm glad that you actually said that because that's something that I always say to my clients. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, yeah, I'm a huge advocate for developing self-awareness for, for many reasons. And I I think that it is a really big piece that a lot of people are missing on their personal development journey. And I would also love if you could elaborate a little bit more on what healthy means to you, because you, you mentioned a few times, especially in regards to people focusing on the physical attributes and they think, oh, well, this person's really ripped and lean and they look great. They must be healthy. Can you actually speak a little bit more to what healthy is? We, it's not like black and white, right? It's, it's, I, I feel like health, it depends on the person as well, right? Mm-hmm. And then what I consider being uh, healthy might not be the same that you think is healthy, right? And that is like using that example again of the people that compete, okay? That is a huge one because from my personal experience, I, I've been very lucky that genetically speaking, I am, I am lucky. Okay, so my, my, my genetics allows me to actually gain a lot of muscle without having to, uh, to rely on um, supplements. 
Yeah. A lot of people actually ask me a lot of the time. It's like, Hey, like, why are you taking, right? It's like, what, like, what, what steroids are you taking? What cycle are you taking out? And they're always surprised. And sometimes they don't believe me when I tell them, like, I, I don't take steroids. Not mm-hmm. at all. Right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I, I can tell you a little bit more about what happened to me in the past, because I did try, and this was like eight years ago, I did try getting into, into, you know, running a cycle, taking steroids. And I only lasted one week, one week. I kind of like sat down and it made me realize that was not a good thing. I didn't know why I was, why I was doing it. It was a really bad experience that I, that I handled in that week that I decided to try it. And I took it as a sign that I shouldn't do it. And I never, and I, and, and I never did it. Right. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of people always tell me, it's like, Hey, why don't you compete? Right. Cause you have, mm-hmm. you, 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 you will do amazing if you compete. And I always tell them no, because in my opinion, okay, I am the kind of person that I could become very obsessed, obsessive with how I look physically and how I perform in those competitions that eventually I know myself and I know that that will mess up with my mental health, right? Mm-hmm. So that is one of the reasons why when I look at the pros and cons of competing, in my personal opinion, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it for me. But when, when I have people coming to me, telling me, it's like, hey, I want to compete. What do you think? I always tell them like, you know, obviously like I'm not going to say it's not for you, but it's not for me, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's a, that's one of its one of the examples of like what health means to me and what, what means to you could be different. Uh, for a lot of people, if they want to compete, they want to compete and that's great. But you need to make sure that you're actually working, taking the right steps to make sure that, that your mental health is not going to to be affected, okay? Or if it's affected, you're going to take the steps to actually make it make it better. Now, what it means to me to be healthy. And if you asked 10 years ago, that same question will have been a different different answer. But mm-hmm. right now, to me, what means to be healthy is, first of all, is finding something that is sustainable, okay? And when I'm talking sustainability is both in the workouts, uh, what I'm eating, what I'm doing on a daily basis that allows me to actually be healthy, but also enjoy life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I do believe that the sweet spot when it comes to being healthy is the uh, the 80 20 rule i don't know if you ever heard that mm-hmm. 80% of the time you should be working on something that is going to help you improve your health both physical mm-hmm. and mental and the other 20% that is the room that is room that you have to actually enjoy life like i tell my clients just enjoy you know go out you know have a drink go eat a burger if you, if you feel like you know like do something that is not going to be necessarily something to improve your health, but it's something that is going to make you feel good that you are building a stronger relationship with people or, you know, you're experiencing, you know, new experiences with like with food or where you're going or that kind of stuff, right? So to me, being healthy means that it's having that sweet spot between 80% of the time working on your, on improving your health, but having that 20% where you can enjoy life, eat whatever you want, do some activities that are not as active or as as good for your health but in moderation right so that is that is to me that is my my definition of health oh i love that and i love the ratio that you provided as well and you're right everyone's version of health or healthy is different so the way i see health or healthy is having your body your emotions and your mind all aligned meaning that what you're doing yeah what you're doing for your your mind is actually good and benefits your body and your emotions. Because I think that if we don't work on the mental aspect and the emotional aspect, the body suffers, the body can hold energetic weight and it can be, you know, it can show up as inflammation. It can show up as 
uh, acne or pimples or hair loss or, or whatever is going on. And I think that it's really important for people to remember that the mental aspect and the emotional aspect are the foundational pieces. Would yeah. you agree? Oh, I do agree. And there, um, I just remember there's a, just because of you said that, there's one thing that I always remind my clients, especially the, the ones who are a little bit hesitant to invest in their health. Yes. Right? Because a lot of them say, it's like, you know, even if they have the money to, to invest in their health, they're like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is going to be good for me. I don't know. I don't know if, if this is going to work out the way that, it, that, it's, that I think is going to work out. And I always remind them that there are three basic pillars of our life. And they're all connected to each other. The three that I always tell them is uh, health, wealth, mm -hmm. and relationships. Okay, mm -hmm. relationships with friends, with family. Okay, so those three are those are the three pillars that you have to work on your whole life. Okay, health, wealth, and relationships. And by improving one of them, the other two will automatically improve as well. For a lot of people, that's not very clear. They don't see it. They don't. They don't know how. Okay, if I work on my health, how is that going to make me wealthier? How is that going to make me improve the relationship with people? But it's like there are so many different variables, different reasons why that's that's the case. And then let, let's just talk about like one specific. So health. If you're improving your health, so how is that going to improve your wealth? And that how is that going to improve relationship with people? So if you focus on, 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 on wealth, for example, being healthier, it means maybe you're going to have more energy to work on. And, and when we're talking about being wealthy, it's not necessarily a lot of people always, they go right into money, right? Wealth mm -hmm. is money. And wealth is not necessarily just money. If you ask me what it means to be wealthy is having the freedom to do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. okay. And there is <laughs> a fine line between making more money and sacrificing your freedom. So there is a, there is a balance between the two. Uh, and then in my case, it's like my, my, my definition of wealth is to make enough money to have the freedom to do whatever I want. Okay. Mm -hmm. At one point, I'm going to be capped out on money. But anyways, going back to the, the what I was trying to tell you, it's like if you improve your health, it means that, for example, you're going to have more energy to work, right? So that is how you can actually improve your, your, your wealth through health, right? And then how is improving your health going to improve your relationships? That is a big one because for a lot of people, for example, I do have a lot of clients that start working out because they want to find a partner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is something that we need to obviously keep in mind is like there is a physical attraction, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that is the number one thing that you see in someone before you meet that person, there has to be a physical attraction, right? And then having, improving your physique, how you look, it's going to improve your chances of having th that person be physical attracted to you enough so that they, that person can get to know you, right? So that's how improving your, your health can also improve relationship when it comes to, to like, romantic relationship for example but it can also improve the relationship with your kids for example right so mm -hmm. by improving your health that means like okay i can actually have more energy to play with my kids i can do more activities that i couldn't do before right so those three things i always tell them you need to work on one of them and it's going to improve the other two yeah and we can work that in reverse in any other of the two other pillars how is that going to improve your health as well right oh i love that i don't know if you've seen that uh, i i read this not too long ago where they were saying like the most the most successful people in their in their businesses in their industries you it's very rare when you see someone that is not working their health they have a personal trainer they're working on like, like staying active they're always doing something and there is a reason why they do it they know how important it is to improve all three of them to help them with the other two right mm -hmm. and it also especially when you're working on your health for for the example that you used when people come to you because they're looking to find a relationship it's yeah. really helpful 
in boosting someone's confidence because when you start to work out and you start to see the results and you start to feel the results not only do you look better that's you know a byproduct of the efforts that you're putting in but you actually feel better so you're able to love yourself in a different way you're able to feel that confidence and then you're able to exude that when you go out and you're trying to interact and engage with people you might approach somebody that you maybe would not have previously because now you have the confidence you're like dang like I look so good and you know I've been working my butt off and I deserve to you know ask this lady for her number kind of thing yeah, yeah. It, totally. does, it does it does improve your 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 confidence and that's that's for sure that is that is for sure yeah <laughs> oh I love that I think that that is really important to keep in mind too for all of those people who feel very unworthy when it comes to relationships as well and unworthiness is I don't know it's just such a dark little word <laughs> such a yeah, such it, a dark it, little word it's something that we all we all deal with right but now mm -hmm. now this is like this is where it comes down to like what are you doing to help you improve that how are, what are you doing to actually make you realize that you are worth it and and how are you going to make those steps to actually make you feel better about yourself right mm -hmm. and, and then again it's, it's like like the physical health improving how you look it really helps but but you also need to keep in mind that you need to work on that on, on improving what's in here right and then a lot of the time it's a, it's, it's a lot of self-image, right? It's not how you yes. actually look, but it's how you think you look, right? And that oh, yeah. might not, might not be, uh, they might be very different, okay? Yeah. And, that is, and that is another issue that happens with a lot of people that focus so much on the physical health, right? When they're still having those self-image problems, everyone seems like this person being so fit, so healthy. And then when they look at themselves, they're like, no, no, I'm not, right? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of issues there too, right? Mm -hmm. And I also would love to touch on gut health. I think that gut, so gut health is like the foundation for also our mental health. If you eat crappy food and you eat bags of chips and McDonald's and fast food and deep fried everything, you're not necessarily getting the necessary nutrients that you need to actually fuel your brain in a way that produces serotonin. And I, I can't remember where I heard it, but I understand that serotonin production actually starts in the gut. Is that it's true? It's most of it starts in the gut. Okay, so obviously, and, and, and this is something that I, I even, I, I try experimenting with, right? So I do believe one of the reasons why a lot of people hate Mondays, beside mm. the fact that you're going from that big change from like, oh, I'm, I'm at Sunday, I'm so lazy, I'm not doing anything, to like Monday going back to work. It's not just a transition from, from, from that lifestyle change, from like being lazy to having to go to work, but I do believe another key element there is how you're eating okay because you most of the time people eat so crappy on sundays and then you go back to monday and then and then you you can see the consequences of how you were eating reflected on the next day so your mood is so crappy and you feel like your energy is so down right so that is one thing that myself i started working on and uh and i actually because i used to be one of those that will eat whatever i wanted on sundays right mm -hmm. i still like to eat kind of like indulge a little bit on food that I don't usually eat. That is my 20%. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also make sure that I'm eating more uh, nutrient-dense food, right? So things mm -hmm. are going to give me those micronutrients that, that are going to be used as, as, as a primary source of like, like, like creating those, uh, like serotonin, for example, you mentioned mm -hmm. that one. So a lot of things, a lot of those whole foods that you need to eat, uh, those that is what you need to eat to, for your body to be able to be efficient at creating what you need to keep your mood a little bit better right and mm -hmm. then yeah, like like you mentioned like serotonin is a perfect example because it is something that is created mostly in our gut okay mm -hmm. and if you're not feeding your body the proper 
raw materials to, to, to create it, then you will have those issues where like you're feeling like super moody or like in a really bad mood and then your energy is not going to be the greatest. And yeah, so I do, I, I'm, I'm really, really into the whole gut health because I, I, I know the benefits of it, 100%. Yes, and I've reaped the benefits of improving my gut health by being really mindful of what I ate. And I didn't realize how many food sensitivities I had created for myself and I was ignoring yeah. the symptoms. So if you eat something and it's out of a box or a bag, uh, you know, aside from the the vegetables like spinach that come in a bag, <laughs> you might notice that you are belching afterwards or that you have indigestion or you have heartburn or all of a sudden you're feeling a little bit gassy and like you could float up to the ceiling. Those are all indications that something that you have eaten is not agreeing with you. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So, so yeah, those, and, and, and you hit it right on the head right there when you said those are like indicators. Those are those are little subtle things that your body is telling you that there's something you're not doing properly, right? So if you start like, 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 you know, burping, or you start feeling like heartburn, or you start feeling like you're feeling really bloated, you feel like really gassy. So our first, um, we always tend to go into um, like treating the problem, like mm -hmm. the, the, the actual, pro the, not the actual, the root of the problem, but actually dealing with like the heartburn, for example, right? And then you yeah. start taking Tums and you start taking all that kind of stuff to help to help you relieve that feeling but then most people don't understand that it's like okay what should i do in the future so that i don't experience heartburn again right so mm -hmm. they they tend to forget about what what is causing the heartburn to start with and that could be it depends on the person right it, it, it could be different different reasons but it's always like i think like the common reason will be eating something that is really really low in terms of uh nutrient density mm -hmm. and really high in calories like chips yes. or cheesecake yeah. <laughs> depending and de depending what your that person is um is a little bit more uh, intolerant to right so for a lot of people will be like dairy will be a big one right uh mm -hmm. but some people for example me personally i cannot eat spicy food okay so spicy food there's something in my gut so so i don't know if you're you're familiar with how it works but it's like we create we produce these enzymes right that mm -hmm. they're supposed to bind with like let's say dairy in my case it's spicy food like there's some one specific in the spicy foods like i'm not creating that enzyme in my in my in my gut to bind it so that it, i can digest it properly so what mm -hmm. happens is spicy food usually shoots through me just oh like, yeah there's a few people like, like that yeah just like dairy food uh dairy it will be like for a lot of people they just shoot through them because they don't have that capacity there there's there's their their digestive system they don't have that capacity to produce the enzyme required to bind with that specific food to help you digest it right and then what your body does in those cases is either like you know like you create a lot of a lot of gas as a byproduct to try to get rid of it and that's when you start getting really bloated really gassy then that that could be one of the reasons why that's happening it's like maybe my body's not doesn't agree with that specific group of food that i'm eating right and then that could also cause some heartburn, right? So, mm -hmm. so I'm just giving you my example with spicy food, but it could be so many different things, right? And it is important to be able to pinpoint what is causing the issue, right? Mm -hmm. And that is very, very unique to the individual. Yes. Oh, I love that you you brought that up as well, because that, that's true. And dairy is, there. there's like the few common allergens, like there's gluten, there's dairy and um, sugar, people don't think that people don't think about sugar and the impact that it has on you. But I would love, 
And I know like we could literally talk for hours. So this will be my last question. Can you talk a little bit about sugar? So a little bit about sugar. So obviously, so refined sugar has been, you know, it, it has been demonized a lot. And I think with, with, with reason, okay. I do believe uh, like refined sugars is, is one of the, one of the primary problems in our modern society that is making us, is causing us, for example, gain more weight and, 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 and actually uh, one, actually I was reading this book called The Salt Bits, which the, they were talking about the difference between like, so, so when we're talking about high blood pressure, for example, right? Mm -hmm. So what is, what, what is the main thing that you tell someone that they should avoid as soon as you say high blood pressure, if they have high Sodium. blood pressure? Sodium, Sodium. right? Mm -hmm. So this book that I was reading, that I was reading really good, um, called The Salt Fits, uh, I can't remember the name of the author, but they were talking about where the origin of that, I'm going to say myth, starts where salt is the fundamental problem, high blood pressure, okay? And they break it down to the point where like, you realize that salt is not the issue, but it's actually mm -hmm. refined sugar. So refined mm -hmm. sugar, so people started developing high blood pressure more as, a, more, more as the norm when we discovered refined sugar, okay? Mm -hmm. But at that point, we started suffering from high blood pressure. And that is something that a lot of people don't realize. It's like, that is one of the main causes of high blood pressure. It's not sodium, it's not salt. Because in fact, we are, um, I like, um, I, there's one chapter in that book that I really love. It was called, We Are Salty People, okay? <laughs> and what that means is, and what that means is, we are in fact salty people because when we started developing our liver, okay, our liver is actually capable of um, uh, processing over. I do believe I can't remember the amount, but it's kind of like it was like fifty times the regular amount of sodium that the doctor recommends for you to eat on a daily basis. Your liver can actually, and your kidneys can actually process fifty times more than that. Okay, wow, on a daily basis. So we can handle a lot of sodium, okay? And in fact, sodium can actually be the solution to a lot of problems. Now, I wouldn't recommend someone that already has high blood pressure to start pounding salt, okay? But for, <laughs> for me and my, my specifics, what I do is uh, my pre-workout is I have a, have a teaspoon of salt. I just wash it down with water, okay? So I keep my sodium high because it really helps you for, for performance. It really helps you, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, but going back to your original sugar, so that is one of the, what, uh, in my opinion, and I think a lot of experts will, will, will agree with me, that uh, sugar is the main cause of high blood pressure in, in humans, okay? Mm -hmm. And then that could be completely fixed by actually getting, uh, I'm not going to say completely eliminating that, but you can decrease the amount of sugar that you eat, right? And then you get to the point where like, again, the 80-20 rule, 80% 80 of the time you should be focusing on whole foods and the other 20%, if you want to eat a little bit more refined sugar, you can, Right but making sure that that is something that is going to stay in moderation. So yeah, sugar, sugar is a big one. It's something that I always focus on with my clients, but again, it's not something that I tell them to stop eating just to make sure that they're eating it in moderation because it does cause a lot of, a lot of health problems. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm sure we could do a whole segment on that. <laughs> hey, if you're really interested, like we can actually set up another podcast in the future and we can just sit yeah. down and talk about sugar. Yeah, I, I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should. On that note, Frankie, can you share some final words of wisdom for our listeners and our viewers? Okay. Um, I'm going to say, and, and this is something that it keeps, it, it's, it's a recurring issue with a lot of people that are very hesitant to invest in their health. I think 
if you have the means, if you have the financial capacity to invest in your health, do it because it is worth it. It is worth, and, and I'm not talking just investing in a, in a, in a nutrition coach or like, or like online, an online coach. I'm just talking about like coaches in general to help you with your health. That could be a therapist. That could be like anyone. If you have the financial capacity to invest in your health when you're younger, do it because your future self will actually say thank you. Totally. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And can you share, how can people get in contact with you? How can they reach out to you, Frankie? Yeah. Uh, so my, my Instagram is Frankie, just like my, 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 my name, Frankie fitness, uh, Frankie.fitness. Uh, that is my handle on Instagram. I am actually working on my website as well. As we speak, I actually, uh, I'm just revamping my website right now, but it's FrankieFitness.com. Um, and, but the best way to reach out to me will be through Instagram. So that is frankie.fitness. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your inspiration and your motivation with us. I'm so glad that we did this and I look yeah. forward to the next time. Me too. And again, uh, thank you for having me and uh, we're more than happy to be back. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Have a good day.